0: Let's begin today's discussion.
1: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones.
0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Nick Osborne of conversational copywriting. Nick has been copywriting since 1979, working with major companies, including Citibank, Apple, Chrysler, and the New York Times for their sales and advertising materials. He's also worked as an advisor and consultant for a variety of startups, spoken at numerous online marketing conferences, and conducted in-house seminars and training sessions for companies including Yahoo, Intuit, Walt Disney Attractions, and John Deere amongst others. Today, we're going to talk about approaching copywriting without the push and shove of traditional broadcast sales copy. We'll discuss the role that honesty, transparency, and building trust play into selling in your own voice. We'll learn what's worked from Nick's experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where people are missing the mark. Nick, welcome.
1: Thank you. Excellent introduction. First of all, you make me sound good, and I, and I love the setup. Well, transparency and honesty, who would have thought it?
0: Who would have thought it? And and maybe someone who's really good at copywriting maybe fed me some of those lines. Ah, Could that be? Yes, that could be. (laughs) So before we start, can you tell us all a little bit more about you, your background, and what got you to where we are sitting here today?
1: Oh, wow. Well, you said 1979. So as we speak, that's 40 years. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Crazy. So First thing I guess is I'm super grateful to have been able to do the same thing for 40 years and still enjoy it. That's pretty amazing. Um, So the course of my career really is like this one one accidental move after another. It's like, I never, when I first got my job in an advertising agency in London, a week before that, I I didn't even know advertising agencies existed. Uh, I just kind of fell into it. Somebody said, hey, you should work in advertising, it's fun. And it was, those were the kind of mad men days and it really was kind of wild and crazy and fun. And I just fell into it and I fell in love with it. And I've just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other ever since. So I I did some stints with ad agencies, but principally I've been working as a freelancer. So freelance copywriter, and as you alluded to in your introduction, Um, that kind of slowly moved into more training work. So I had done, you know, a lot more training work with companies and individuals. I mean, the biggest pivot, I guess, came in, well, I wrote my first website in 1995. So by 1997, I was working online full time. I just, when the web came along, I, I just fell in love all over again. I thought, my goodness, what a wonderful place to communicate and to share messages and to to market oneself. And it was kind of weird because in those early days, there was quite the backlash against the idea of the internet being used as a marketing platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I had a shopping cart in my website in 1995 and I used to be flamed. People would send me hate emails saying, it's people like you who are gonna destroy the internet.
0: Congratulations! Course, I, I, I know. I, I,
1: didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. They were absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, like the the internet. I mean, I just love it as a as a but it but it is different. It's like again you alluded to in the introduction. Is this, this whole idea of you know this old school broadcast copywriting and communication, which is what I originally learned, and that is where you're marketing and advertising through, I don't know, a, a TV commercial. Mm-hmm where you really are broadcasting a sales message at a passive audience. They're sitting on their couch, slouched down, eating popcorn, whatever. Uh, they have no way of talking back to you in the TV. Uh, so traditional media before the web was one way. It was broadcast. Where you, we crafted sales messages and pushed them out at an audience. And when the web came along, I mean, my kind of gasping moment was, oh, my goodness this is a two-way, this is a multi-way medium. This is a medium where the audience are in fact, also creators. And and now we move forward to today where I look at various, I don't know, YouTubers, PewDiePie, a guy. He lives in in a place in, in the South of England. He has 95 million subscribers. All right, that, that's pretty much every major media outlet in the U.S. combined, and he's still winning. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary medium in that regard. And I, and I think as a, from a marketing point of view, that means we have to shift our messages and we have to stop marketing and copywriting and pitching and selling as if we were still in the Mad Men days, as if we were still in a world of broadcast media, because we're not. That's me. That's the, that, that, that's the very short version of my rant. Right?
0: That's okay. It's not, it's, I think that is a rant. It's not even a rant that's going to be able to really open up a good discussion. So, you know, for people who don't understand what copywriting is, can you kind of just break it down as far as, you know, I think people hear, oh, there's a copywriter. Oh, he works at an agency. He's a copywriter. What is it that you're truly doing? What is it? How are you crafting? How are you working with teams? How are you actually doing what you do?
1: Well, I, I, I guess going back to fundamentals, what is a copywriter? Is it's a person who writes words that are one way or another designed to sell. So online we hear a lot about this division between content marketing and then sales copywriting. Uh, in fact there's a huge gray border in between where your copywriting can also be great content and where your content can be pre-selling. So, so there's a very close relationship between all kind of communication online. So so copywriting, as, as a copywriter, I would be working with a marketing team on a promotional campaign, um, depending, you know, if, if, I'm a pay, if I'm working in-house, then I've got my in-house team. If I work in an agency, I got my agency team. If I'm working as a freelancer, um, you know, may, maybe I'll just be working with a contact person at, at the company, or, or maybe they'll kind of get me on group calls like this with the team in-house, it, it really varies. But the writer's role is and is hey, it's, it's so much kind of richer and more complicated now than it was. Because again, in the old days, if I was writing a print ad, which is what I was doing right at the very beginning when I started out, uh, it was just me and an art director designer sitting across a table, and then he did the picture bit, and I did the word bit. Uh, now it can get so complicated if I'm looking at a campaign a promotional campaign that includes social media and email marketing and landing pages and automated sales funnels and sequences, Mm -hmm. and it can get kind of crazy. So a copywriter then has to work with, you know, within quite a complex process. Um, So there's all kinds of wonderfulness to this whole kind of online thing. And, And then we get into where where I think things go wrong. Uh, One of the things I look at really carefully these days is the whole thing of marketing automation, Mm -hmm. of that idea. Have you ever ever kind of signed up for something that you find interesting and then the emails start coming and then you have that moment where you think, oh no, I'm stuck in a sales funnel. (laughs) Here it comes again. Have you ever had that feeling? Of course, many
0: times. I think daily, actually. I've started to not give my real email address. And I actually have a separate email address for right. things I sign up for. So I'm not bombarded.
1: And that is unfortunate because as a company, as a marketer, the last thing you ever want
0: mm-hmm.
1: your, your audience or your prospects to feel is, oh no, here yeah. we go again. Oh wait, it's Thursday. I bet tomorrow will be the last chance I bet I'll get three, I bet I'll get an email <laughs> tomorrow evening saying, I can't believe you haven't signed up yet, all that kind of. So on the one hand, the kind of the web and automation and the complexity and process is fascinating to me. On the other hand, I think people can make a lot of big mistakes. And, and, and I think the biggest mistake is basically to leave your humanity behind, is to stop being a person. Um, and and, and that's, that's where I get into my whole conversational rant is stop selling at people and start engaging with and holding conversations with people. Uh, Don't rely so much on automation and rely more on being yourself, on being a person.
0: And so with this go, really what you're saying, it's not just advertising, it's everything. It's from your LinkedIn communications and your other business, social media outlets. It's your emails that you're doing just as a sales individual. If you're doing outreach, it's, It goes into absolutely everything that is the written word.
1: Or or indeed, it could be video. It could be audio. It could be any of the kind of multimedia we come across online. Uh, I did an experiment a couple of years ago with a, uh, I had a website uh, quite separate from what I do day to day, and I created a Twitter account for it. And I deliberately automated that process of delivering tweets. Like I'd, I'd automate it and plan it like weeks in advance and I'd, and I'd create, the, you know, one of the, using one of the tools so that all my tweets were taken care of for, you know, weeks ahead. Right. After a few months, it got down to zero engagement. Nobody shared, nobody commented. It was dead because I'd automated it. It was an experiment. I thought that's what would happen and it's what did happen. Whereas a Twitter account where I pay more attention and I comment on other people's tweets, and I retweet what they're doing, and I actually engage I'm actually being social, and I get into kind of short little tiny conversations in, twi- in Twitter. Those go. accounts remain vibrant, they grow they're, they're, and they're super useful because you are building uh, you're building relationships, you're building trust and, and, and I guess trust goes to the heart of, of everything I talk about is we buy from people and companies that we trust and we don't buy from people and companies we don't trust. Uh, and I think the best way of getting people to trust you is to give them an opportunity to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, like, like this, what we're doing today, this is where, where I see your face, you see my face. This is a very different experience than if we were just on the phone. Of course. We, we, will, we, don't, we don't maybe know it or think about it, but we will know each other much better at the end of this call because we see each other's faces it's not to say it would be even more profound if we were in the same room right across the table
0: yeah staring Um, at one another actually does bring one to actually understand the person a little bit more their mannerisms
1: right you're seeing all the little hey it's it's, as a species we've evolved over millions of years to understand the little kind of facial cues the body language all these things Um, so if I want you to trust me, I'm much better off doing this, having a conversation with you where you can see me. And it's why I do, I do quite a bit of video where I'm talking to camera Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I'm looking into the lens so that people can see me and they can see my face and they can hear my voice. And they, they, it's much easier for them to come to a judgment of, Hey, this guy seems like the real deal. He's not being too pushy. He doesn't seem too sleazy, I hope.
0: (laughs) You don't have the sleaze factor, you're good.
1: (laughs) So it's kind of fun because like I say, my background is in fact, is in direct response copywriting much of it for about 15 years I did. So uh, I really understand the hard hitting promotional Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, That whole late night TV, Ginsu knife set thing. I can do that, I know how to do that. I just don't think it works very well on the web because this is a a multi-way medium where people respond more to engagement and transparency.
0: Fair enough. So if you were to be instructing and leading and, and talking with a company about how they could be doing this better, what are the first steps? How would you tell them to go down and toe the line and start taking this more conversational approach that is more, hopefully, of higher engagement?
1: Hey, it it depends a lot on the size of the organization. Um, You know, if if it's a small startup, I'd say to the founders, you know, come out from behind the curtain and engage with people, do this, get in front of a camera and talk to people, let them see you. If it's a a mid-sized organization or larger, I'd say, hey, trust your people a little more. Bring some of your people in front of the curtain. Let some of your people engage with your audience. Uh, Show a human touch and then I would go to all their written materials and I'd say, okay, I've got a challenge for you. Here's a challenge for you, challenge for anyone listening. If you have a website, go to your about page, print it out, piece of paper, go down to your kitchen, sit in front of your significant other or neighbor or friend, look them in the eye and read your about page out loud to that person across the table. And, and one of three things will, will happen. Uh, one, they'll laugh because you just sound—you just don't sound like you at all. Uh, Probably I mean, very
0: stuffy, I'm assuming.
1: You, you may sound like, particularly a, from a, from a, a, a lot of business About Us pages, you'll sound yeah. very stuffy and yeah. kind of—I don't know—it's like pompous. Geez, yeah, pompous. Like, who are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You may sound overly salesy, like kind mm-hmm. of embarrassing. So you're—you know—the person across the table is like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> is that how you want people to know you? Or very occasionally, the person across the table will say, yeah, that's you. I recognize you. Nice. So that that to me is always the litmus test. So it could be an about page. It could be an email. It could be a social media update. It could be a sales page. And if you don't actually do it in real life, imagine doing it. Imagine reading it out loud. And actually yourself, read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think reading copy out loud is, is you discover all kinds of things. You discover clumsy, badly written stuff yeah. if you try to read it out loud. And, and I have to do that. So I've been doing this 40 years, right? And, and I'm still really working hard at trying to be a better writer. So if if I'm not sure about something, I will print it out uh, actually on paper and I will sit in front of a mirror and I will read it out loud. Because sometimes if I just read it on the monitor, there's something in my brain that persuades me it's Okay. Like, like part of my mind will go, you know what? That sounds a bit off. And the other part of my mind will say, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's great.
0: Because you're a brilliant copywriter. It has to be great.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's the ego is saying, yeah. of course, it's good. You wrote it. <laughs> but then you read it out loud and you think, you know what? That's clumsy. Or oh, that's not clear. Right. Or I need to rewrite that. Or it sounds, like you say, it sounds pompous. Right. Or it sounds overly salesy. Like that's embarrassing. Um, so, so I think reading stuff out loud, imagining that you are. Hey, th- there's so much business writing that on websites that is, like you say, it's, it's either pompous or it's stilted. It's like, hey, all of us know how to write in a persuasive way. Hey, listen to your kids. Do you have kids?
0: I do not have kids.
1: You do not have kids. Not so yet. Maybe, maybe you're an auntie. Maybe you're so, an auntie, or you got so, friends with yes. kids. Kids are the ultimate persuaders. You don't have to teach a human how to be persuasive. Uh, I want to stay up late, I want a puppy, I want this dress, I want to, or or listen to kids selling lemonade in in their front yard. Kids know how to be persuasive in a totally authentic way. Then we send the poor little things to school and a lot of that simple understanding of how to enthusiastically sell is kind of beaten out of them because they're taught how to write for exams. And then they get to university and it's even worse. And heaven forbid they get a PhD, because now their communication skills are totally incomprehensible to the rest of the world. Yeah. Then they go to business school or they go to a business where they're taught this really weird compound sentence colon, semicolon, nonsense writing. Where, hey, I, I've got a bit, I got, I got an example. This is so can I read you an example?
0: Please do. We'd love it. This is,
1: this is really short. This is actually from an ad agency an ad agency website, which is weird, because they should know better. Hang on, let get this. Okay. Here we go. Here's what, they, here's their promise, what these guys do. Apply design thinking and stimulate creativity through co-creation, co-creation initiatives.
0: Yep, it's a lot of fluff.
1: I, I, I gotta, go, so I'm gonna read that one again. Apply design thinking and stimulate creativity through co-creation initiatives. Like, like where on earth did somebody learn to write like that? I, I, I'm going to translate that into real English. Uh, we have better ideas by working together.
0: That sounds a little bit easier to understand.
1: So, so that is, you can do that. You can do that simple process with like, you get it. Anyone, anyone watching this, listening to this, go to your website, choose a page at random, choose a sentence there. And I bet there is the original English version, and then I bet you can translate it into simple, accessible, everyday English. So conversational English is, is everyday English. It, it, it's, it's how you used to talk when you were young uh, before you had all that education kind of layered on top. Uh, kids know how to do this. We've forgotten how to do this. And there's a, there's a, there's a, when you get there, like, like, as with kids, there's a natural enthusiasm there. And if you want to sell stuff, Enthusiasm is so contagious. People love that. They love to feel enthusiasm. They're, they're totally going to be drawn to you. Hey, there's, there's near. if you don't mind me rambling, like there's, there's, near, there's a whole bunch of neuroscience here. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a branch of marketing called Neuromarketing where they study the way the brain responds to various messaging types. So, these neuromarketers will actually rent time with those uh, MRI machines in hospitals, you know, like the donuts where they slide you in. They do. Um, and, if you, and, if you, and if you slide someone into one of those and you show them a picture of a hissing snake or a growling dog, then there's that fear, that fight or flight response. The amygdala, a little bit right at the top of your brainstem, lights up on the MRI on the screen there. And that is, that is how we've responded to danger for millions of years, that, that the amygdala lights up, it's fight or flight. Funny thing is, then what happens is the neuromarketing team, will now they will show a video of a hard selling used car salesperson or equivalent. Right. And you know what happens in the brain? Exactly the same thing, yep. the amygdala lights up. When the amygdala lights up, we, and you know it, we've, we've all felt it when we've been in front of an early, overly aggressive salesperson we feel a resistance. We can almost feel like a chemical change in our body. Yep. And we can, it's, it's cortisol. Cortisol <laughs> floods into our bloodstream. You're
0: taking a step back. You literally you can do.
1: feel yourself just cave in and step you back. Do. You can feel your defenses come up. You don't want to listen. You want to leave. You want to leave. It's the, it's the flight thing. So it turns out that aggressive selling techniques actually have the, not the effect that we want at all. It makes people step back and want, right. to, want to leave. If on the other hand, I, in, in the MRA machine, I show you a video of, of two people at a coffee shop in quiet conversation, clearly good friends, clearly comfortable in front of each other. Now your mind completely quiets down. Now your, your neocortex begins to flash a bit because you're, now you're in a place of comfort and trust. So just from a, near, just from a physical marketing point, of, near a marketing point of view in terms of brain chemistry, I do not want stimulate your amygdala. Right. What I want is for you to feel comfortable and at ease. I want you to feel you can trust me. I can get to that place of trust and comfort if I take the conversational everyday, approach, everyday language approach. I cannot get there by pushing harder. And that I think is the mistake that most marketers make is they think that to sell more, they need to push harder. And in fact, to sell more, you want to step back. Now, at this point, seasoned marketers and copywriters will challenge me and say, Nick, you know better. As a copywriter of 40 years, you know better. And they will say, Nick, if you did a side-by-side test, selling something online, anything you like, and you did hard-charging, direct response, aggressive, and then you did the, the B version is your, you know, all your, your cozy, fuzzy, conversational what? approach, and you did an A-B split test today, which would win? And I have to be honest and I say, you know what, if we're looking at sales for today, my hard charging approach will win. I'll, make more, do- I'll make more dollars today.
0: But that's also because there's usually what 3% of the immediate audience is probably in a buying mo- mode. So you're right. getting them, you're grabbing that's them true. right away.
1: That's true. But I mean, the bigger part of my audience is, is, is I'll say, okay, now come back in a okay. year, come back in a year and see how many of those people who I'm writing to in an aggressive way are still with me and buying and how many more people I'm converting. Cause I'm building trust and community with these people sure. that I'm in conversation with. And now you have that very different story. So for the short term win, sure, go hard charging. If you actually want to build relationships and trust and revenue, you know if you wanna if, if 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 you want a, a higher lifetime value in the longer term mm-hmm. take the conversational approach build trust build community
0: well, that's a really good insight there that I don't think a lot of people take
1: well that's my that's my thing that's my thing i just keep
0: <laughs> <laughs> you keep teaching
1: i get i i get excited about this stuff because and and again it's like the, the web is, the tools we have, we've never been able to engage in the way we can with the web. Right. So wh- why not take advantage? You know, I've never, if it, we, we, it's like, when I look at my cell phone, I think it is so remarkable that what, 12 years ago, there was no such thing as, a, as an iPhone. Yeah. And today it is so deeply embedded in how we live and communicate and buy and everything. And it is a communications device, it's a phone, it's utterly interactive. And I think all of our communications, all of our marketing should be based on that recognition that the, the, these media now are interactive, they're an opportunity for engagement, for conversation.
0: And when you're looking at, you know, copywriting, sales ads, all of those different things versus, you touched on this earlier about, uh, you know more creative, more content creation, and you said that you know they really should have some ties and alignments together. For sure. Where where should they stand apart, and what is where is the difference here? So you know you're having your copywriting, you're having that more in your face, but then you're having your content. Where does it is it appropriate for it to merge, and where should it really be something that is a standalone difference?
1: I like I like to. I mean, I think, I think most businesses can, and when I say most businesses, there's such a variety of businesses, like, you know, there's solopreneurs and then and, and, and the medium, small, large, whatever. But I think most businesses would benefit from, it's almost your 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 most dedicated kind of editorial content is a safe place for your visitors. Mm-hmm. They know they can go there and be informed or entertained by you Without worrying, like uh, uh-uh, uh, where, where, when are they going to hit me with the pitch? You know, it's a safe place. Yeah. So, so for my own web properties or clients I work with, I say, okay, here's a safe place. And over here, these are sales pages, and, and these are campaigns. These is a one week promotion. This is pure sales, and people know it. And I'm totally transparent about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in fact, with my with my community in, in conversational copywriting, like I have my students. And then I have a whole list of people who are interested in conversational copywriting but haven't taken my course or any training. And I write to them and I'm totally transparent. Like most of my stuff is like safe place stuff. Hey, I'm just gonna share this with you. I'm gonna teach you this. And I'll say, oh, by the way, next week, I'm gonna hit you with some sales stuff. I just want you to know, all right? I'm not gonna hold any punches. I wanna sell some of my courses. I want some of you to enroll. So I'm totally, so, so there I got a segue of, of here's a safe place. I mean, and if I am going to switch in sales mode, I'm transparent about it. There's also, I've worked with clients where you, you, you're writing the, you, you've got a campaign running where you're selling stuff, but you're also pumping out a lot of content that week. It could be podcasts, it could be uh, blog posts, it could be video, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that they are deliberately pre-selling. That that editorial content is specifically aimed at your promotion for the week or for the month or whatever whatever it is. And again, there's kind of it's got to be kind of 90% gift in terms of you giving information and help. And but there's a segue. And it's like it's like towards the end of that editorial, that content you say, oh hey, and by the way, if this really interests you, if you think this could help your business, we have this thing for you over here. So sometimes you know you've got your pure sales pages and activities. Mm-hmm. You got your pure editorial content, this gift, this safe place for your audience. And then you do, you have this middle ground of of, of where you're actually using editorial to pre-sell. You're using content Mm -hmm. to pre-sell. And again, the temptation is to turn everything into pre-selling, which is, it can be super powerful, but again, I think it erodes trust. I, I was having a conversation with, a, with an entrepreneur the other day and I, and I kind of shocked him when I said, if I'm not leaving money on the table, I'm burning trust. And he was like, well, wait a minute, why would you want to leave money on the table? And I said, well, there's always a way to make more money by pushing harder, by, you know, by being more aggressive. But the harder I push, the more trust I burn or erode. So I'd rather leave some money on the table today and keep the trust of that prospect so they'll buy again from me next week or next month or next year. Sure. And, and I think this is this whole message that I kind of push out is I think it is very, very relevant to kind of solo professionals who rely on the trust of their clients. So if you're a coach or you're an agent or you're a therapist or a counselor, or any kind of freelancer where you're not selling products, you're not selling toothpaste or lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. you want clients. And that client is gonna to have to trust you if you're gonna do good work with them. Well, if your relationship, if your client is, if that relationship is only gonna be good if it's based on trust, how, how can you acquire that client in a way that feels untrust <laughs> untrustworthy, you know what I mean? You, 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 you get, and I get so many people Professionals like that saying, Nick, I know that I need to work harder on getting new clients, but I don't want to come over as being some sleazy, pushy marketer. Mm I want to be I want to be able to be me, but still to sell more, at which point I say, funny, you should say that. Have I got something (laughs) for you? This is the conversational approach. Um, because I, I I do, I, I, I'd I'd have everyone using that all companies large and small, but I think it is particularly relevant, particularly relevant to those smaller, um, you know, solo businesses that rely on the trust of their clients.
0: Well, they're selling themselves so much. I mean, when you're starting to get into a larger business, you're muddying up the personalities. It's more about the fact that, you know, you have all these people, And when you just have one person and you're doing the servicing and you're selling it, you're trying to be their friend, you might also be handling accounts receivable (laughs) with them. (laughs) I mean, you're going to be doing kind of a lot with them, right? So that trust factor is so important. And as soon as they they lose that and they don't have confidence and they don't feel that they can pick up the phone and have a real conversation with you and they're worried that you're just going to be in their face trying to get them to one up whatever they've already done with you... (laughs) You're going to not have long-lasting clients in many cases.
1: You're right. Hey, you, you put it better than I did uh, in that we're talking here, but sometimes you're selling stuff like a lawnmower. But like you say, when you're selling yourself, yep. everything changes. Because yep. uh, you can't sell yourself in the same way that you're selling steak knives or toothpaste. It's got to be based on trust. So you have got to be really, really careful with the hard charging sales approach when you're selling personal, you know, services in that way.
0: Yeah. So you gave a really great example and I can, I know our listeners are going to be sitting there mouthing in front of mirrors, reading aloud to themselves <laughs> later on. Right. I do this all the time. My team looks at me and I'm like, I'm just reading what I wrote and they're like, do it quieter. And it helps listening
1: oh, to yourself.
0: Yeah. It's massive. It's amazing how bad you sometimes actually write. Uh, but <laughs> with that, it's amazing. But what is another thing that you could tell our listeners that you know, would be really good for them if they're working in teams or if they're working solo? How should they be approaching this process?
1: Ask questions. So listen, or more specifically, listen. So I, I, I'm like a, not only a conversational copywriter or a marketer, I'm, I'm a conversation geek. I find conversation fascinating. Um, like every, every, every important relationship, in our lives begins with a conversation. Uh, your first date with your significant other. Uh, the job interview, for that job you love, it, it was a conversation. How do you make friends and keep friends? Through conversation. It, it is so integral to our lives. And there's one thing that most of us do really, really badly, and that definitely includes me, and that is we're not very good listeners, which is a pity because listening is probably the most powerful aspect of of being good in conversation. And I don't know about you, but I I can think back over my life just occasionally, like if I'm lucky, once every five years, I'll have a conversation with someone and then suddenly you kind of pop out the other end of it. It's like, oh my God, it's two hours since we started talking. And you have through conversation, you've got to a place that neither of you could have arrived at on your own. This is this beautiful, creative collaborative thing the conversation can be and those conversations only work when both parties are truly actively listening so marketers companies are terrible at listening um we always think okay the market wants this we've done the market research they want this and we're going to push this and you really need to listen so again with it with a with a smaller company listen to your customers and the web is fantastic for this. You know, go to social media, go to your competitors' social media streams, listen to the conversations there. Uh, go to Amazon, read the reviews. Go to Yelp, read the reviews. Go, go anywhere and everywhere so you have an opportunity to listen to what your prospects are saying. And in particular, listen to emotional cues. What is it that your customers get excited about, frustrated about, angry about, upset about, delight? what, what delights them? What makes them happy? What makes them share the good stuff? So you listen to those emotional cues and then listen to the language they use. I, have, I build up whole files on this. If, if, I, if I'm talking to a particular audience, is I do this research. I don't do formal research. I listen. I go to these places where I can read what my prospects are saying. Uh, Like I say, I'm looking for the emotional highs and lows because they're going to be powerful messaging kind of platforms, Mm -hmm. as it were. But I'm also definitely listening to the language they use. So the bigger the company, the more separated the marketing group becomes from the language of their customers. You get this kind of in-house jargon thing happening of like, you know, and everyone's talking to themselves in this fancy in-house business language. It's not how their customers talk. And so this is about, so the, if I'm going to say a foundation of conversation, a good, good conversation is to listen. And, and I can't imagine I'm not right about that. I think we all instinctively know that. And I think we all know, instinctively know we could improve when it comes to listening. Uh, that absolutely applies to marketing as well. Listen to your prospects, listen to your customers, listen to the emotional cues, take, take note of the language they use, not the language you use, you're used to using internally, they use and then respond. When you get into conversation, you 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 reflect it back, you mirror back to them what they're saying, what they're feeling. So if you say to Nick, oh, you know what, one of the most frustrating things about raising, you know, looking after my dog is, and then if I come back to you, if I've got some wonderful doggy toy, if I come back to you, to you, and I just reflect what you've said, where you said, and I said, hey, do you find it frustrating that you'd like, I, the exact same phrase, I reflect back to you. I mirror it back to you. At that point, you think, a lot of the time, you think, wow, he really gets me. Yeah. He knows inside
0: I, my mind.
1: Yeah, he, know, he knows how I feel about <laughs> my dog. He's yeah. like, he totally understands. Right? I, I'm totally going to listen to what he's going to say next. All right. So as a marketer, stop focusing so much on, you know, what's the killer message we need to push out at our audience? Stop, it. it's like, so this is really weird, right? I'm a copywriter. I have to let go my ego and remind myself saying, hey, back in the day, 40 years ago, your job may have been to be clever and come up with clever headlines. Now my job is much more to actually get out of the way to listen to what my prospects care about, listen to the language they use, and then mirror that back to them. So they they know that I'm listening and as soon as they know I'm listening, everything changes.
0: Well, I love what you just said about really, you know, the listening, the very early part on the one-on-one, that's really about energy and just sharing back and forth so that you're playing and you're lobbing the ball back and forth where you're not hogging the conversation. And that's where those special moments of connection really do happen. And that you were mentioning that they're so rare. And two hours later, you're still lost in conversation and you've come out the other side of the rabbit hole and you're like, wow, this was fantastic. It's because you two actually connected and listened and heard and had a conversation that was authentic and real.
1: Oh, we we love it. We love that sense of when we feel that we've been heard. It's incredibly powerful for us as as, as humans. And marketers miss that. They just it's like most marketers. I just want to say, just for a minute, just shut up, just stop with your yammering for just one minute, and listen and let people know that you're listening. I, I recently signed up for a service um, online and they, they, they have like, I don't know, they have kind of a customer support team. They're not in my face, but they're like, I get an email saying, hey, I just want to make sure that you've seen this. Like, and, and whenever I write back to them, they write back, they, they don't drag and drop responses. They, they type, they, I feel like I'm totally engaged with three or four different people support people from this company who seem to genuinely care that I really get in and make the most of what they're offering. And it's like, it's beautiful. It's such a relief to be engaged with real people who are actually listening to me. They're engaged with me. Like there's nothing automated there. Like I said, I'm, they're not dragging and dropping pre-written replies. It's, and you think, wow, I love this company. I love this company
0: it's not easy for companies to do. And that puts a lot of trust in those employees that company owners need to have, to have exactly those
1: conversations. Right. Exactly right. And, yeah. and that, that's a change. So, so this company then is, is native to the web. They grew up in the web. Right. Uh, much harder for companies that are old school traditional companies yeah. to make this transition uh, to the web. And like you say, to, to trust their own people to have these conversations, uh, okay. but it's incredibly powerful.
0: Well, this conversation has been fantastic. I really appreciate all that you've shared with us. I believe you have a class, an online program that you could tell our listeners a little bit more about so that they can hone and polish even more.
1: Okay. So yeah, I, as well as rambling on and on about this stuff, I teach it and, and I'm probably a little bit, hopefully I'm a bit <laughs> a bit more organized in how I teach. And hey, uh, it's actually the best part of the teaching is that When people enroll in this, I get, obviously, I try to walk walk the talk. So uh, there's homework. I engage. I get into conversation. We have a Facebook group. We do this. We have have, have video calls once a month. Um, So it's great. So I do the training. Um, But I've put together a page for your listeners. So they just have to go to conversationalcopywriting.com forward slash Stacy. And there's a page there where they can sign up. And when you sign up, yes, you will fall into my funnel. I will send you stuff for three days. So I'm not saying don't ever use any of these marketing approaches because I do. I've got you on my list. Now I'm going to send you stuff. But hopefully when you receive it, you will feel a slight difference in tone that I'm not pushing too hard I'm not being pushy, that I actually want to share valuable stuff with you, that I actually want to engage with you uh absent that if you want to avoid me altogether but still learn about this stuff uh just go to conversationalcopywriting.com look for the blog um and i'm constantly just sharing everything i know anyway in my blog posts once a week um so you don't actually have to sign up for anything if you don't want to you can just learn stuff from the blog posts <laughs>
0: There you go. And we'll actually include that in our show links as well on the podcast page so that everyone is able to, if they're driving or walking or doing something and don't have a pen in hand, we will make sure, sure that they know you, what that link you, is.
1: If you, if you want to talk to me, then you can talk to me at Nick at conversational Perfect.
0: Well, Nick, any last words of advice to our listeners today?
1: Um, just, it, it is, it's that kitchen table test. Whatever you're writing, whatever you're marketing, whatever process you're doing, it's like if my mom was sitting across the table, if my kids were sitting across the table and I either described to them what I was doing or I read out the copy I had written, would I feel comfortable in my own skin doing that? Um, and And if you don't, if it feels odd or feels uncomfortable, then you should probably take a second look. If you feel totally comfortable with what you've written and what you're saying and what you're doing, then you're absolutely on the right track. I think, just my Um, opinion.
0: I think that's fair enough. Nick, this (laughs) has been absolutely phenomenal. I really do appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it. Listeners, I appreciate your time taking the opportunity and time out of your day to tune in and thank you. And until next time, when I talk again on marketing mistakes and how to avoid them, we will chat again. Thanks.